Good morning. Good afternoon. Um, wherever you're listening, welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast Live. It is Monday, the 12th of November, 2018. This is episode number 55. And thank you for, for joining us today. My name is Edwin Frondozo, and the Business Leadership Podcast Live is a call-in radio show where I speak to business leaders, subject matter experts, and thought leaders to discuss the latest innovations, current events, or best practices that will help you personally and professionally grow. This episode is brought to you by Slingshot VoIP, a leader in business voice AI technologies that help companies understand what the customers are saying when they are calling in. Happy Monday, everybody. Thank you again for joining us today. I am really excited to introduce my co-host today. Um, her name is Jessica Greenwood. She's a criminal lawyer and a mental health advocate based in Toronto. She's dedicated to working with vulnerable clients and ensuring that their rights are protected. Jessica is focused on mentoring women and young, and young lawyers and runs an all-female defense firm. She gives back by volunteering her time to supervise a pro bono legal clinic. She teaches at Osgoode Hall Law School and routinely, routinely mentors, mentors law students. She lives in Toronto and is a proud mom of two young children. So um, for those who are listening, we thought it would be amazing. Just from the work Jessica does, we thought it would be a great topic to talk about mental health issues, uh, specifically how you deal with it and how you work with them, whether it's within your business or outside of business. Um, if you are joining us live, uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions with anything that questions or comments, anything that we're talking about, feel free to message right in the browser, and we'll we'll get to it as soon as possible. If you do have an example or personal story that you'd love to share and join us live, um, just let us know. Press the button in the browser, and we'd love to have you join us. Jessica, how are you doing today? Happy Monday. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. And uh, what an important topic and uh, such an important dialogue to have and and to open yourself up to others and and engage in this dialogue is really what's what I think is so important to uh, engage people and raise awareness. And um, I'm happy to talk with you a little bit about what I do. Yeah, no, awesome. I mean, First off, thank you for the work that you're doing within the community and, and really giving your time back. This is mental. I mean, this is an important issue. I mean, I have family that, you know, that battle this type of stuff. So something that 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 I'm always interested, always learning to to find out how, how you deal with it, not only on the personal side and obviously um, in the professional side. So let's just jump in it, Jessica. What is it like for you personally, you know, to work with vulnerable clients? I think one of the biggest things is that I have to check my own uh, beliefs and uh, and sometimes even bias because when you're working with vulnerable people a lot of times they haven't had a voice in the system and as their lawyer and as their advocate it's my job to ensure that they have a voice that their story is heard uh, and that they get to participate in a meaningful way in the process so I have to make sure I don't substitute what I think is the best decision for them and sort of substitute my own best interest for the client uh, in lieu of what they actually want. And if you can do that, if you can manage to put what your feelings are aside and really help the client express their version 
and express their wishes, it can help them uh, be much more engaged in the process and be able to deal with the process uh, often a lot better. So how do you, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now, Jessica. How did you get to that point where you really released any personal attachment to, to things that were happening? Because I, I almost assume that you've probably had very difficult situations. Sure. Well, it's uh, every case is different. And I, I've had lots of different cases over the years that have affected me emotionally because I've had to see things, clients going through such struggles and uh, being really in a lot of agony and pain, whether they were in jail or they were in the hospital or they were receiving treatment against their will. Those kinds of situations are very difficult to deal with. But in order to be a good lawyer and a good advocate, you can't let yourself get too carried away in the emotions of it because you have to be able to stand up in front of a court or a judge or a tribunal and make arguments on the person's behalf. And you can be passionate about those arguments and have a lot to say and, and feel very strongly about it and be zealous. But if you cross the line of becoming too emotionally invested, that may not allow you to be the best advocate you could be. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what type of tips would you give people? I mean, like who are, you know, maybe dealing with this type of stuff the first time, whether they're a manager or a business leader, you know, what type of advice have you given to people who are really struggling with that? Sure. Well, these, uh, these types of issues, when they arise, they can, they can come up in all different kinds of ways and, and different workplaces and situations. I, I would say the biggest thing is if you are an employer to get some advice because there's laws in Ontario, there's a duty to accommodate uh, people with uh, mental health issues and disabilities uh, as is reasonable. So you need to get some advice about that. Don't, don't sort of wing that on your own. And that's the law piece. But on the personal side, uh, if you're a business owner, you also want your employees to be well. And there's a lot of things that we can be doing as employers and business leaders to ensure that our employees are well before it gets to a point where someone's having a mental health breakdown. So things like uh, having a, a member assistance plan or a, a counseling program or health benefits where people can access those kinds of things. Or if you see someone within your organization who's really struggling, maybe they need to talk to someone, maybe they need uh, some time off to deal with issues. And really don't ignore it because that is often what leads to um, more problems down the road. You, if you're an employer, you should get ahead of those uh, issues and not ignore them. Yeah, I mean, try to try to address it as soon as it arises, I must assume. Um, if you are just joining us live, um, Jessica and I are talking about is me mental health issues and how to how to deal with it if you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or with a, or an executive in, in any type of environment. I just want to take it real back, just quickly back, Jessica. Like, how did you first get involved in this type of work? Because this is, this is, I mean, I'm, from the sounds of it, it's a, it's a little bit of your passion project as well. So, so what, what led you to this? Uh, sure. So when I was in law school, it was it became very clear to me that people who are vulnerable when they go to court without a lawyer, without understanding the process and the system, uh, the results, things didn't turn out the way that people wanted them 
too. And I, I started volunteering uh, in my first year of law school at a legal clinic where I was able to work with people with mental health issues who were vulnerable clients. And I just really saw the difference between how people were treated when they went to court with a lawyer or even mm -hmm. a law student, me, and the difference when they went alone. And I really started to realize that the more education and awareness you can give to your clients, the better outcomes you're able to get because every, everyone's able to do their job better when we all sort of know the rules of the game. So that encouraged me that I had found the right spot uh, to use my skills. But I guess what it, what it really comes down to is I have a, a brother with special needs and uh, he has an acquired brain injury. And at a young age, I was advocating for him at school mm -hmm. uh, when my parents and I would go to meetings about him and, and the resources that were being allocated to him. And I learned a lot about uh, just how vulnerable people can be in the system and that um, a lot of the players have a lot of power and sometimes you don't feel like you have any power. And so I, I really wanted to be able to do a job where I could empower others through advocacy and awareness and education. Well, that's amazing. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure you learned a, quite a bit, a lot, uh, just on the personal side. I'm really curious, Jessica, if you can, I'd love it if you could share a couple of examples of the type of cases you, that, that you see nowadays. So I, I see a wide range of cases. A lot of my clients are in the hospital or in custody. And I see a lot of situations where people are really struggling. And when they're unwell, they do something that, that counts as criminal, mm -hmm. even if they may not have been well at the time. So I'll give you an example. Two people are in the hospital together and they have a fight about something trivial. And one of the patients gets charged with assaulting the other patient. Um, that, that can be a common scenario that I see. And then sometimes the hospital doesn't want to take that person back and they go to jail. And now they're in jail and they have mental health issues and special needs and they're in the jail system. And when I go to see them there, all the guards say to me, this person doesn't belong here. They have all wow. these issues. They should be in the hospital. And those types of cases are really the most heartbreaking. Uh, and I've had a few of those that were everyone in the system wanted to help the person, but it was about finding the right place for them to go where they could uh, be safe themselves and, and not hurt anyone else and uh, also get the care that they needed to be well. Uh, so those are, I deal with a lot of cases that are like that, but I also deal with cases that are on the, on the end of the scale where the person's in the community, uh, maybe they're a young person in their early 20s who's experiencing mental health issues for the first time in their life, and uh, they've incurred some minor charge, like a mischief or a theft under, something that's relatively minor. Mm -hmm. But uh, but now their family and people around them are becoming aware that they have this issue. And that's a point for me to hopefully intervene and assist my client in getting access to resources and other um, other supports in the community so that they can address whatever issues are underlying their criminal behavior and not come back into the justice system again. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's very difficult. If you're just joining us live, we're, we're talking about mental health issues. Um, you know, some cases that Jessica just shared, like where they end up in the wrong as a criminal and they definitely not to be there. Or younger younger people who are experiencing something and trying to deal with the family and like that. One thing you quickly mentioned, and, and I'm curious, do you think that uh, for those who are just learning about mental health, whether it's personally or professionally, like, do you think there's enough support in the community now for those who are struggling? Well, that is a really good question. And it's something that I, I do think that the resources that we have are good, but there may not be enough of them. And the reason I say that is, I see young people who really need uh, an appointment with a psychiatrist. Maybe they need medication or they need therapy and they're on a waiting list for somewhere between anywhere from about two months to about six months to see a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases when you're struggling, if you're, if you're a young person and you're feeling depressed or you're suicidal and you can barely get out of bed, the, the it was so hard for you to make the phone call to get an appointment and it's quite uh saddening to hear that you're going to have to wait months to see someone when the problem is immediate and you know the feelings that you have that come with uh, that kind of mental health issue are overwhelming and then someone tells you well we can't see you until maybe you know the new year we'll see wow. you in 2019 so i think in terms of the resources, once you get there, once you're at the front of the line and you have uh, the appointment at CAMH or one of the other big hospitals that have great psychiatric programs, then then the supports are good. But the wait times that we have, I think, are problematic. So what do you what do you tell these folks, these individuals that are, you know, really frustrated because they can't see the help that they need to see like do you have you been in those situations where it's like you're going to get the help be patient but obviously that's just <laughs> these are just words right sure so luckily when it comes to the justice system there are a number of mental health and justice programs that if you are charged or you become involved in uh, in the criminal justice system in some way there is ways that sometimes we can access resources that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. And that can speed things up and get people, uh, and sometimes get people help. However, the criminal justice system isn't a, it's not a stopgap for other services. And you don't, you don't necessarily want to call the police and have someone charged just so that you think they'll get help faster. Right. That's, that's a thing that happens a lot. Parents will say to me, well, I just wanted my son to get help. So he was being disruptive at home. He broke a picture frame and I called the police because I wanted him to get help. But then when the police come, the situation is no longer within your control. And if they decide to lay a charge, the person could be taken away in handcuffs, held overnight and maybe held for a bail hearing and not released till the next day. And, and the parents say to me, well, that's not what I wanted. I didn't know the police were going to do that. And so it's difficult because the police have a job to do. If you call them, their job is to investigate. And if there's grounds to lay a charge, to lay the charge. Um, and so they don't necessarily have to do what the caller wants. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult situation. And so a lot of times people think that charges will make 
it easier to get help and to get resources, but it doesn't always do that. In some cases, it can complicate the, the matter. Yeah, I imagine that's, uh, you know, people close to the situation may feel like that's the only way too. They didn't, and you know, they didn't even think it through um, right. because obviously it's getting difficult and everyone's getting, it's, it's just getting more and more difficult, I, I imagine. Yes, absolutely. I think it can be very stressful for families, uh, especially where they just want their family member to get help. And maybe they feel like that person isn't moving on it or moving fast enough. So do you have any experience, Edwin, with um, mental health issues or if you've seen any cases? Well, I have your... a I have a very close uh, cousin that I grew up with. He has the uh, um, this is as close as I've, I've been to it mostly. Um, uh, where he he struggles with the bipolar and, and and then I guess being with this, um, he didn't know how to control it, and you know he would end up in parties or taking narcotics and stuff like that, and, and you know I'd had to meet him and you know help him get back into the place and and just being supportive. I, I don't know in terms of how to deal with it. The only way I know how to deal with it is just just to try to be there for them when they least expect it. Right. Or, right. or just, and don't even, I don't even try to tell them what to do. I just say, Hey, how are you doing? And, and I know I have that sort of relationship with my cousin like that, where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm here for you anytime, but at the same time, I know I feel like I sh I should be reaching out to him even more so. Right. So it, it's, it's, it's a hard balance. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the right way or the wrong way. I don't even know how you're supposed to deal with it, to be quite honest. So this is very enlightening in terms of the, this type of conversation for me. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that there is a right way or a wrong way because every every situation is different and, and being supportive is also really important. Non-judgmental and supportive. And I, I that's something I try to do as well. And uh, I, I do think that part of this conversation and these dialogues are the kinds of things that can reduce the stigma and allow others to open up to you and talk to you if they're experiencing an issue. And um, I don't know if events like the Bell Let's Talk and, and other events are, I certainly think it's a step in the right direction, but I think we could be doing more. What do you think? I mean, I, I, I love these campaigns, but sometimes this is just my own thoughts when it comes to very strategic campaigns like that is uh is sometimes you're really just talking to the to the choir i think i could be totally wrong i've never done like a full scale type mission campaign i mean i've done personally i've raised money for different stuff i tried to put awareness um but it does it does open the conversation but you don't know how how far right i mean in my personal situation i know the family members some of them mean the don't really even understand what mental health is or if it's even a real thing right so that's back to the stigma like how do you how do you help the people closest to the situation right or do you help them like it's nuts like i don't even know where it, where it goes right right well i do think that families also benefit from education and awareness around what the triggers may be and and how to see if someone is decompensating or or how to understand that if they are showing signs that they're becoming unwell and and ways that you can intervene before someone uh, gets so unwell that they're putting their their own health and wellness in jeopardy and and so there is ways that you can sort of see 
those signs and try to get ahead of it. And maybe that person needs to go to the hospital or see their doctor. Um, so I do think it's important for us to have that kind of awareness. But my suggestion would be in terms of education and awareness campaigns is give people actual concrete uh, signs and signals and things to look for and ways to communicate that are non-judgmental. Um, because I think we, we do as a community, we want to be supportive of people with mental health issues and be able to be there for others. But I think it's really important that we actually know how to talk about that and show that we're open to the discussion. Yeah, no, and I think to your point, Jessica, it's really, you know, that's a great idea. Like, really putting out the signs, I mean, with social media and campaigning, you could really, if you had the right people working these type campaigns, I mean, there's things that go viral so crazy, and sometimes it's even a topic that doesn't really matter. <laughs> but right. if, you, if you could do a proper campaign around a very specific case of how do you tell the signs, right? I remember growing up, it's like, how do you tell the signs if your kids are doing drugs, right? Like it's almost the same thing, right? Like how do we do these type of campaigns? We're not only educating, you know, people, even peers, right? Some friends that you grew up with may have it and they don't realize it. And I don't know nearly enough about mental health issues, but I'm going to assume some of this stuff starts coming out during high school and then young adulthood and stuff like that. And you you don't really know what's wrong with you, right? You just think you're an outcast or something like that. But Absolutely. And I think that this will be an interesting discussion to be had around the use of cannabis and mental health in youth. I was just thinking about that as I was, I was coming here to prepare for for, for the meeting because I, I, I live downtown Toronto. For those who know Toronto, I live I live and work right by OCAD. And now I smell like cannabis everywhere, even more so than ever. And I'm wondering, man, are these people in school? Is that okay now? Like, it's like, what's going to happen now? Like, it's it's a whole new can of worms, Like I think. Um, obviously, these are just the, the extreme levels as well. If you are just joining us live, uh, what we're talking about is dealing with, like, how do you f find the signs of, uh, or, you know, recognizing people with mental health uh, if you have any questions around mental health or maybe if you you gone through this experience i um, would love to hear from you or some examples or if you have any questions be sure to let us know um jessica i mean this is a really fascinating um conversation and it's really important i know i've been talking with a younger with a with a woman with a new initiative when it comes to mental health and entrepreneurs so this is a conversation that somehow is coming into my world more and more um and i'm getting a little more passionate about it it's because no one really talks about it right For me as an entrepreneur there's so many like you know if you're an entrepreneur especially a high-tech high-growth entrepreneur you always have to put that happy face on and That's you know, right. everyone, everyone will say, Hey, Edwin, how's it going? You'd be like, yeah, everything's going good. Business is going good. But really in the back of my mind, I'm like, I hate life right now. I can't get a sale and I have no one to talk to. Like, like, that's, like, <laughs> like that's really what I want to tell you, but I can't. Right. That's right. Um, so and then, sorry. No, go ahead. So that's what, that's when we have to look back. Uh, inside ourselves and do some self-reflection because in in the sales world and the high pressure business world those are the kind of thoughts you're having and in my world it's oh my gosh I'm losing cases that judge doesn't like me this person disagrees with me and somehow you still have to get up in the morning and go to court and make those arguments and 
and get on with your day and, and project confidence. And so I do think that a big part of being a leader and understanding this conversation is making sure that you're taking care of yourself. And, and that means taking breaks, uh, stepping away from your work to come back with a fresh perspective, uh, checking in with others around you and making sure that, uh, that they're okay and, and you're okay with them. And, and don't isolate yourself too much in your work. You need to, you need to get outside, go for a walk, get some perspective. Um, it's really important because if we, if we go too far down the hole of just focusing on our business and uh, what we're doing, we, we can miss out on a lot of positive connections that are really important, uh, both for us professionally and personally. No, for sure. And you know, what just came to mind, Jessica, I, I shared in my, I have a, I moderate, uh, I moderate like a free Facebook group around the business leadership. And I actually posted this today is like, if you're stressed, I forgot exactly what I wrote. I says, if you're ever stressed or, or worried or anything, I said, think about the 10, 10, 10 rule. Will this matter in 10 days, 10 months or 10 years? And it helps you put perspective and the things that's really, that's bothering you right now. Right. Um, Absolutely. Cause some people really get trapped on not to say that what you're worried for is meaningless, but it might be, right? So right. It might be, but uh, I'm not questioning all that. But uh, it, it's it's really fascinating. And one thing I I had shared in this group, which it was a, it was sort of an experiment, Jessica, for myself, is I had read, you know, you take walks is nice to take breaks, and then I found out that there's these th these things where you it's not it's sort of like a staycation, but I call it like a do nothing day for entrepreneurs or professionals, executives, and it had to be in a work day. And you basically just block off your calendar and don't have schedule, don't have anything and just go with the flow. And you actually rediscover maybe what you're happy doing or, or you reconnect who you are or you relax, you do whatever you want. Right. Um, so it's definitely a challenge that I'd put to you and everyone who's listening today to, to schedule a do nothing day. And if you want to learn more about that stuff, let me know. I'd be happy to share my experience with it. But this is, this is definitely an important conversation, Jessica. So thank you for sharing that. And before we end, I just want to make sure uh, if you are joining us live or even on the replay, any comments, questions, I know it's a very difficult topic uh, for anyone to join or question or even share, but for us, I thought it was a very important conversation um, to, to have. So any final tips that you have, Jessica, for those who are listening, um, whether it's someone who might be going through it or or working or, or feeling that they're, they have someone like that within their lives at this point? One of the things that I can offer is just uh, get some advice about the situation and what uh, steps you might be able to take, whether it's uh, you're dealing with a, an issue yourself or you're helping someone else, whether it's a family member or a friend. Uh, there's always legal advice that you can get and also advice about resources. And that's one of the, one of the things that I do. And I know there's a number of other lawyers out there who do this as well is giving consultations to families and friends about how to support a loved one who's facing uh, a mental health issue. And maybe that means you're going to support them in going to appointments, or maybe they need help with their finances, or uh, they need uh, a power of attorney. There's different ways that you can engage and help, but don't try to take it on alone. Uh, the system can seem daunting, and, and this is why there are people like me that have this expertise 
that has been developed over the years and we may be able to help streamline the process and point you in the right direction. So um, don't hesitate to reach out to others or resources. There's so many organizations in the community that are happy to give information, but I, I know anytime I try to deal with these situations alone, it can seem really daunting. So that would be my advice. No, I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing, Jessica. Where can we find more information about you, your practice, or, or any of the other work that uh, you're doing in the community? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jessica Defense. My name's spelled with a Y, so it's J-E-S-S-Y-C-A, Defense, spelled with a C. Uh, check out my LinkedIn profile and uh, my new website coming soon, greenwooddefense.com. Awesome. Jessica, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for for taking the time to join us today to, to, to discuss and really open um, at least my platform to this discussion. Um, I look forward to continuing this type of discussion or any other the type of projects that you're super passionate about, but I really appreciate your time and, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Jessica. Okay, bye. Um, this was the Business Leadership Podcast Live and it's an almost daily show, so be sure to catch us every Monday Wednesday and Friday. If you haven't done so yet, please be sure to check out my podcast. It's called the Business Leadership Podcast, where I sit down with business leaders to discuss the personal journey and experience of, of business leadership. New episode drops every Tuesday, a uh, new one actually tomorrow. Um, you can catch it on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. But that's a wrap, everybody. Happy Monday. Have a fantastic week. Edwin signing off.